How's that Denver altitude treating you? Oh, dude, loving it. Back to it, feeling good. Yeah, I noticed a little little shiner there. Is that from training or from celebrating? I'm trying to decide. No, that was actually from him. He caught me. Uh, I want to say it was the first, the end of the first round. He clipped me with something. It kind of just skid past me. And yeah, man, it's been healing up nicely. I go, I go to gas stations and everything, and like people look at me funny. I forget that you know I have it sometimes. I mean, the good news is with the cauliflower ear, too, they could probably put two and two together if they were smart. You so, know? Yeah, some people are definitely able to. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I saw it was like one of my favorite memes ever. It was like nature has a way of warning you when something's dangerous. And it was like a great white shark's teeth, like one of those colorful poison dart frogs, a coral snake with the weird stripes. And then it was just a picture of cauliflower ear. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, super accurate. Like if a dude has cauliflower ear, just don't, just don't even try. That'll do it. Yeah. So what's up, man? I mean, obviously your life has just changed in a very big way, which is incredible to see. What's the last, you know, week or well, since the fight, what's, what's the last couple of days been like for you? Oh man, they've been chill, you know. Uh, yeah, it's a big change. A lot of things are eventually gonna happen. You know, I just got done signing all my paperwork and my life away and everything. But for the most part, man, life has been—it's uh, gotten back to normal. You know, I'm just chilling with my dogs. I got that one, that one. My girl, she's on. She's doing her. Uh, she just is in school for nursing right now. So life went back to normal you know i'm just getting ready for the next one eventually that's incredible man what kind of pups do you have what, what all right so we got odin odin is a pitbull german uh pitbull boxer mix and then Riker is a sable german shepherd i was gonna say um it looked like a german shepherd there we have a german shepherd as well i could only kind of see the silhouette but the ears oh yeah the ears give it away every time. I was going to say the ears probably gave it away, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, they're they're amazing. Amazing dogs. They are. But that's sick, dude. I mean, obviously going into that fight, what was that kind of pressure like? Because knowing, you know, it's a Dana White looking for a fight. If you put on a big show, you know, there's a strong chance that you're going to be one of the guys getting signed. Did that feel a lot different going into you? Yeah, I mean, it it didn't feel different in sense of like nerves cuz I always if anyone tells you they're not nervous before the fight, they're just straight lying to you. Like there's always nerves. There's always anxiety and things that you just have to make friends with that feeling so that when you go out there, you're not really thinking about it. And I was nervous all the way up until I want to say I walked through those curtains when they announced me. And then once I saw the crowd, once I saw everyone and it was my turn, I think for me, it just, it all went away. Cause that's, pretty much what I love to do. I want to go out and I want to get into a fight in front of everyone. So yeah. that for me, that part is fine. It's just the build up. I'm not a big talker. I don't like to talk trash or anything like that. And I know my opponent was talking a lot. I didn't know that it was unbeknownst to me until after the fight, but yeah, it, it was crazy up until that moment where I had to go fight and then everything was just free. It felt like that's crazy, man. Well, it definitely looks like it. I'm going to share my screen here so that people watching can can kind of see your handiwork if they didn't see the fight. I'm going to go ahead and just play the finish here off Twitter. UFC Fight Pass posted it, so here's how it went down. Right hand, 
And that's that. There you go. Dude, funny story is uh, that whole first round, I remember throwing my right hand like I was throwing a GD baseball, man. Mm -hmm. My coaches looked at me in the, in the corner. They were like, what are you doing? You never throw your right hand like that. I'm like, I know. I think I'm just trying to hit him too hard. And then yeah. that right hand that you saw right there, like that's the one that we've been working on for months. And I sat down on it, did everything correctly. And I kind of ran in for that takedown. But I think if I would have just stepped back, I think I could have hit him with one more and it would have been a quick night. But, you know, it's the way she goes sometimes. Kind of those instincts, man. You made a lot of people in Western PA super proud with that, especially, you know, the wrestling, slamming a D1 wrestler, finishing him the way you did. You know, that makes a that lot of guys That was pretty cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Isaac Greeley has been in touch with you, all those guys, you know. Oh, yeah. Wrestling is king out here, man, as you know. So getting it done that way probably feels extra sweet for you, right? Oh, yeah, big time. I, I told my, a bunch of the people I was doing interviews leading up to it, I was like, you know, he might be from Minnesota. He might be a D1 wrestler from Minnesota. But, like, I, there's a running joke we got out here. Like, I'm from Pennsylvania. And even though I consider myself a mediocre Western Pennsylvania wrestler, I went to states and everything. I didn't do anything with it. But a mediocre Western Pennsylvania wrestler tops a high-level wrestler anywhere else. It's true, man. I think Ohio would be mad to hear you say that, but you got a great point, you know. Yeah, Mike. Uh, one of my coaches is from Ohio, so and he moved out here. But uh, he, him, and I got into an argument when we were driving the whole time. Ah, Ohio, this Ohio, this. no, it's all Western PA. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, dude. I mean, it, it was such a sick finish, and I loved the commentator. Obviously, you didn't know it at the time, but does it make you laugh now, like listening back here, and the commentator be like? He doesn't have hooks in. It's going to be hard to finish. And then two seconds later, the guy's tapping. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I heard that when I listened to it, and that's understandable. I mean, it's weird because Molina is, I believe, in the UFC, and so is Marquez. And uh, they should understand that the way that I set that up, you know, I hit bumped and I slammed him on his head and shoulder area. And if you watch the tape, like, even before he lands, I'm punching in that choke hand. Like, that's a... That's a combination of a Michael Demko and Scotty Miller jiu-jitsu I got out here. Like there's – I've been taught that my entire life, and you don't need the hooks in when it's that deep. Like, yeah, if he was fighting it, then that's when I would dig in the hooks. But I got that thing sunk in so deep so quick that I didn't need it to finish. Yeah, did, did he feel rocked like when you slammed him and then obviously transitioned to the choke? Could you tell that he wasn't quite all there? Yeah, 100%. My coaches made a joke with me. They were like, you pretty much took down a corpse because when I hit him, I, I didn't notice until I watched the tape. Like when I hit him, like he was almost doing the stanky leg. I should have stepped back. I could have had a really cool knockout finish. But at the time, I was just running on instinct. I was like, oh, all right. I hit him really hard. He's not going to be able to like see this coming <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean it, it was a good great instincts either way it got the job done obviously impressed dana white and the crew there man after the finish did you kind of know you were going to get the call or what's that process like for a fighter fighting on one of those cards like you just got that finish but you probably didn't know you got the contract right away or did you how did that no, work? yeah 
No, I mean, right after the fight, it was it's always just a big relief because you get in there and you get locked in and you don't know what the outcome's going to be. You can envision it however many times you want, but you don't really know what the outcome's going to be. And right after it happened, I was just more or less, I was happy that I took the opportunity and I did well with it. Um, I kind of figured, you know, I've been... I've been leaving bodies across America from the East coast to the West coast. Like I've, I've left my mark in my damage. And with, if I, if that wasn't the one that got me the call, I would have been a little bit upset. And there was a little bit of anxiety in the back waiting, waiting, you know, and then eventually my manager just looked at me and gave me this dirty little smile. And I was like, what? And he's like, you're in. And I was just, I, I lost it, man. It was a, such a great feeling. That's freaking amazing, dude. And you're uh, Team Iridium, right? Is that Jason House with you there? Yeah. Yeah. They're great guys, man. I love that whole crew. They do a lot of good work. A lot of the Western PA guys, obviously, are managed by them, too. So it seems like yeah. they're, doing, they're doing really good stuff, man. What's that been like for you in terms of mentorship? Because all along the way, man, it seems like you've associated yourself with the right people. You know what I mean? Like you've you've made really good decisions for your career. So what what have Jason House and the Iridium guys done for you? Yeah, oh man, that, I that they've done amazing things for me. You know, they've just put me on the right path, and they make sure that I'm making the right decisions, and I know all of my options. They're not gonna like hide an option from me because they think that they know what's best for me. They give me all the information, and they talk me through it, and let me know, you know, this is where we stand. Because there, to be honest with you, and be real with you, there was a point where I almost didn't accept this fight. Cause I wasn't sure I was like, you know, short notice. It's the, I was watching football and drinking a couple of days ago. Like what a D one wrestler, what if he comes out here, you know? So just a lot of mental things that they've helped me get through. And honestly, I attribute to me getting around the right people and doing all those things, honestly, just from watching and growing up through my time in Pittsburgh, like, I was big. Uh, I still am big friends with Steve Mowry, and I watched how he conducted himself and how he did his career. I watched uh, Cody No Love Garbrandt when he was coming up through the scene, like how he conducted himself and how he did it. And it is, it's just, you can be so good. I've seen a ton of people who are really good come through Ohio and Pittsburgh, never really made it because they didn't really have the right people around them. And that's where I took all that information was like, I need to, I need to make a change because I know how you just got to understand how the game works. Yeah, man. And that's, that is so freaking true, man. It's awesome to hear you say that. And that's like one thing that we're really trying to do at 247 is build that community and kind of a mentorship for these fighters, because there's nothing that we love seeing more than these guys take that next step. Like you just, a lot of the names, like Cody, no love. You can remember Mark Cherico, Adam Milstead, Dempsey, yeah. like, Oh geez. Exactly. All the OGs there, man. And then the scene kind of died a little bit. Now it feels like it's coming right back even stronger with like you, Dalton Ross, Cody Law, Maori, the guys you just named, like it's it's yeah. back. Like we're, guys, we're the next wave, and I, yep. it's I, I can't wait till I have you know the type of money to where I can fly back and forth and be there more. You know, uh, it's just so expensive out here in Colorado. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, we're we're just like the next wave, and we've all talked before, and we want to we want to come back and build it up. We want to invest in it because 
Pittsburgh has a bunch of talented people, not just Pittsburgh, but the surrounding areas of Pennsylvania. And if we can make some type of change or help out in any type of way, like we're always down to do it. Yeah, 100%, man. And I think another guy that flies under the radar so much that you know extremely well, Nick Brown. Man, what can you say oh, about dude. what he's done? He's he's always the guy that it feels like people forget about for whatever reason, and he's such an animal. He's so good it's, in the things he does. It's just because so he doesn't talk. He's yeah. just a quiet, quiet guy. And I've been singing Nick Brown's praises since I was in freaking high school, dude. I'll still sing it to this day. Every time he gets ready to fight, anytime, like, I'm okay. I'm decent at this fighting thing. But Nick Brown, dude, let me tell you something about Nick Brown. Nick Brown's the best fighter coming out of that area, top to bottom. Like the guy is unreal. And I hate that he doesn't get the shine that he deserves. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like that one loss to John Gunther kind of changed people's perception for whatever reason. You know, he was this undefeated, super hyped guy. And then it's like one loss. One loss doesn't define any fighter, let alone a fighter mm-hmm. as good as Nick who bounces back the way that he has, you know. He proved, yeah. He's been proving it forever. So I'm excited to see him, you know, continue his journey because that's far from over for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, he got a, he got a tough matchup coming up to his next Bellator fight, but the tougher the opponent, that's just the better version of Nick that you're going to see. He's going to go out there and leave it all out. Right. That's awesome. And I mean, and John Gunther is like a wet blanket there for a while. He definitely hit his stride and, and was a super tough out. That's like the worst kind of opponent <laughs> to fight. You know? Oh, yeah. Someone who's just going to try and take you down and lay on you and not really do anything. Yep. And I don't there is no excuse. And I know Nick would probably hate me saying this, but a lot of people don't know he had food poisoning that fight and he still went out there and gave it everything for I think it was like three or five hard rounds. And I was there watching it and like we took him to the back and he's just yakking up in the bucket. So like oh my God. there's a little asterisk on that <laughs> win for Gunther. That's crazy. We literally that's that's so random too. So literally Myself, my wife, and my friends just went out to Top Golf this week and got food poisoning. Literally, all four of us got freaking Top Golf, man, gave us food poisoning. And we were out of commission for like three days, and it was bad, bad. So, like, I, I literally can't imagine fighting with food poisoning. Like, you say you don't want to make any excuses, but sometimes there's a valid excuse. Like, that's pretty valid. Yeah, it's not an excuse. It's just a reason to why the performance wasn't what it normally is. Yeah. Which, which seems totally fair, man. So obviously his influence on you has been amazing. And I'm sure the decision to move to Denver, like we talked about, that had to be, was it a little heartbreaking for you to kind of leave leave PA and go out there, even though you knew, you know, it's for the best and better training? Yeah, yeah. yeah dude, it was, it was heartbreaking and just scary because it wasn't, it was between uh, Colorado and Florida because I had connections with Steve down in Florida and I've trained a couple training camps when it's an amateur down there with those guys. And, uh, you know, my girl had a really good opportunity out here in Denver. And I know a couple people out here. I didn't really know much about Factory X, if all anything. I remember uh, Chris Camozzi and Anthony Smith came to Pittsburgh one year when they had the UFC came out here. And I was like, oh, those guys are cool. But I really didn't know anything. And we came out here and dude, a week or two into training with Mark Montoya and I was hooked. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy, he'll call me out when I need it. He won't bullshit me. He'll just be honest and real with me. And there was a time where I was thinking like, uh, 
real quick, how much cussing am I allowed to do? All of it. As much right. as you need. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding myself off. I'm still in radio mode. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's about two weeks I was training out here. And, you know, some things in life happen. And I was debating on, you know, should I go to Florida? Should I leave? And I didn't show up to practice one day after two weeks of training. He called me up. Hey, motherfucker, where are you at? And I was like, oh, coach, I, you know, I don't really know if it's for me. I'm not sure. I'm just questioning things. Hey, pussy, do you want to be a world champion or do you just want to be some other guy who just ran through? And I was like, oh, I know. Like, I want to be a world champion. Get your ass to the gym right now. And I was like, ah, oh, man, you're right. I'm hooked. Like, I'll run through a wall for that guy. That's freaking awesome, man. And I think every coach kind of needs to know their fighters, right? He probably knew that you would respond right to that. But that says even more about him that after just two weeks, he had that read on you to know, like, hey, I'm going to give him, you know, the tough love talk right now. And it's going to yeah. yeah, Yeah, I really appreciate that because a lot of guys don't like that. Mm -hmm. The tough love, you know, they can't take another man yelling at them and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm very prideful when it comes to that. But when it comes to Mark Montoya or someone in the MMA world who knows what they're doing, I'll I'll swallow my pride, dude. I know I need I need some talking to sometimes. One hundred percent, dude. And I mean, Denver in general is a freaking awesome city, too. So that probably made the decision a little easier as well. Yeah, dude, I can I can walk down the street and get weed like it's a six pack at the store. Uh, I'm I'm in love with it, and I got in a lot of trouble back in PA all the time for having weed. So it's nice to be out here where I, there is no taboo. There's no really worry about it. It's just a normal thing. Yeah, and the UFC doesn't penalize fighters for it anymore, right? That's not nah, part of the, as long as you don't show up. The I just got done reading through the paperwork. As long as you don't show up the day of the fight, high, you can pretty much smoke all the way up into the fight, unless you're fighting in like New York or something like that. The athletic commission is the ones that's different. Okay. So I know weed, obviously, you know, for some people, there's still a stigma and everything. But for you as a fighter, do you find that it genuine, like, genuinely helps your performance and is a much safer alternative to, say, like painkillers or some other ways that you could manage your pain and stress? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be – I've been since I was young. Like, I'm a big advocate for it. You know, I, I'm really big in with the high rollers guys, and I'm always down to smash stigmas because – I'm not a lazy stoner. Like I'm an active stoner. I like to smoke and go do things, go be active, go do really fun things. And I think it is, it's a lot better. You know, I've seen my grandfather get addicted to opi uh, to painkillers and everything after surgery. And it was a hard time getting him off. And it's just, it's a lot better for you. There's no real damage that you're taking. Obviously you don't want to inhale smoke all the time, but overall when you look at all the things that are out there that's it's one of the best yeah it really seems that way man obviously like you said it hasn't it hasn't affected your performance too much obviously still doing great things man like once you sign that ufc contract you're in i'm sure you're still on cloud nine still buzzing how long until you start looking forward to your first fight like when are you do you feel like you're kind of in fight mode like man give me a name <laughs> rolling or yeah yeah it's funny you say that because on the drive home uh, they called me and actually asked me if I wanted to fight in 12 days. And I was like, Oh my God. I mean, yeah, I would love to, but honestly, I'm still a little banged up. I don't know if 12 days is going to work. Uh, we love the matchup. So we tried to push the matchup back, but they found someone else to take over the matchup. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm 
yeah, man, I'm ready to go. Give me about the rest of this week and a little bit, and I'm back. Excuse me, I'm back in the gym. Uh, I'm hoping to fight end of March, beginning of uh, April. You know, like I'm, I'm ready to go. My whole life has changed. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm so much more professional. There's a lot of things I'm gonna start doing that I haven't been doing just because the time wouldn't allow me, but. You know, I'm not I'm not going back to work for someone else. This is something that I'm going to do and I'm going to hit the ground running. That's excellent, man. Do you do you kind of like have you been looking at their roster, kind of looking at names like I want to fight this yeah. guy I like this guy who who you get? Yeah, who you eyeing up? I'm not asking you to call anybody <laughs> out, but who's intriguing to you? Uh, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not going to say any names right now because I understand uh, the position I'm in. You know, I just got signed. That's it. I can't say that I'm a UFC fighter because I've never even strapped on the gloves yet. I can't do anything crazy like that. But there's a bunch of guys out there that I definitely feel like I match up well against. There's a bunch of guys who got there before me who I thought that I should have been there before them. And I can't wait to get the opportunity to fight them. And then there's also guys out there that I don't want to go near. Like, (laughs) just being real with you, there's some guys out there that, you know, they have like 17 different vowels in their name and they're from – over there in Russia and Dagestan and everything. Yeah, some of those guys aren't going to be fun. I'm probably going to have to fight them, but it's not going to be something I want to do. That's the realest answer ever. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> does this uh does this upcoming middleweight title fight kind of hit a little different now that you're you're signed, you know, watching it now it's going to feel a little different, I assume. Yeah, I I never thought it would, and even doing my uh radio show last night, we were talking about the middleweights because this past weekend it was just a plethora of middleweights that fought, mm-hmm. and I even felt myself like I don't really want to talk about them. Like I just don't, I used to be able to be okay. Like, yeah, we can analyze and everything, but now I'm like, well, I'm in the same pool as these guys. So anything I say can be misconstrued or it, it might come off as a certain type of way. I don't want to be biased or anything. So I'm definitely going to have to learn how to speak about the guys that eventually I'm going to have to match up with. And you know, it's, it's awesome. It's something that I've always wanted to do. It's something that I'll learn and I'll grow with. Yeah, I think it's interesting, man, to hear how humble you are in that regard because a lot of guys, I mean, not singling him out, he's just the first guy I think of, like Patty Pimblett. Like as soon as he got signed, he couldn't wait to start talking all the smack, getting all that attention. <laughs> but seems like you're taking a, a different route. And the UFC, you know, obviously likes guys that talk. Do you, yeah. do you, do you feel like you're ever going to have to open up a little bit in that regard and talk some smack or is that just never going to be you? No, I definitely, I definitely can and eventually will start talking. Like I know how the game works. I know what to do and I definitely speak well. I have the ad libs to be able to do it. It's just, uh, right now, you know, it's like, um, how I equate it is a kid who's just getting into MMA, who just now is starting to fight and, you know, they're posting on social media, all their workouts they are doing this they're doing that. And like, in my head, I'm like, kid you haven't even strapped in like what are you doing that's Mm -hmm. probably how i'm thinking about it right now like i want to do all this but there's guys in the usc is probably looking at me like hey kid how about you wait till you actually step in the cage and that's that's how i'm feeling right now like i'm not going to talk anything until i get that first win once i get that first win and i've established myself then the train's going to start rolling yeah that's awesome and i think that's 100 percent the right way to handle it too but you mentioned 
once you get that first win, a lot of names are going to open up for you. And the UFC's roster is just expanding by the day. You know, me and Ryan and our team at 247, we talk about it all the time. But like back in the day, we used to know top to bottom every fighter on a card. We could tell you their life story, everything about them. Nowadays, yeah. we, we look at some cards now and it's like those early prelims are guys that I have. I don't know who they are at all. I didn't know they were in the UFC. Like it's just crazy the talent pool that's over there now. So What's it feel like for you, you know, getting your chance and now knowing that you've entered this talent pool that's literally deeper than ever, the UFC stronger than ever right now? Oh, man, it, it, I don't know, you can't see it. I got chills thinking about it. I, it's just exciting, you know, because I know that the level of fighters that are there, they're all, it's a murderer's row. And I'm glad that, you know, I can be mentioned in that name now, like, when you say UFC middleweight, you're going to say my name. And I can't wait to go out there. I have so much work ahead of me. I have so much sacrifice ahead of me still. And I'm ready for it. I'm, I'll am i sacrifice my left leg if I have to. Like, I'm so excited to do this. I'm ready that I get the opportunity. And it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, man, it's sick. And one thing that we kind of touched on earlier, but I wanted to dig into a little bit more was how we said, talking about Nick Brown, how one loss doesn't define a fighter. I think that's something that always intrigued me about your career personally, man, because you took a couple lumps early on. I think you started your amateur career three and two, something like that. There's yeah. so many guys, you know, Ryan and I, once again, like we talk about this all the time. There's so many guys that maybe start out 2-0 and and then they get that first loss and they're like, man, this just isn't for me. And they're literally never the same after the, even as an amateur, they're never the same after that loss. But every time you lost a common trend in your careers, you always came back better. Like what, what's that mentality like for you and how do you process a loss? Because clearly the way you do it, there's something that you're doing right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I kind of just attribute that to, this is what I want to do. You know, like, Losing sucks, and I'll be the first to tell you that. Like in the amateurs, when I lost, it really, it wasn't as bad. I mean, it was heartbreaking, and you know, I cried and everything. But as a pro, when there's money on the line, there's a lot of there's a lot more on the line when you're a professional. And I know my last loss against Gregory, like it took me a minute to get over. Like I'm still not fully over it. I'll be as real as I can. Like I'm not over it. And I do want that one back. Eventually, I hope I to work myself to the point where I can get that. But at the same time, like I'm never going to get that back. Like the LFA belt, it still sits in my mind. I think about it daily. When I go into the gym, there's a bunch of LFA belts because those guys here want it. And I just look at it and I feel, you know, a little disappointment. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm not that I've never been that guy who I'm going to get easy fights fed to me. I'm not going to be able to build up my record to 10 and 0, 11 and 0. Like I'm not going to be that undefeated guy. And that I think is what where I sit well with the fans really cuz coming from Pittsburgh and Western PA and where I'm from like we're not all, you know, star players. We're going to get pushed down, we're going to trip up here and there, but it's all about getting back up, you know, and going after it, not just sitting there and sulking. Yeah, 100%, man. And what what would you tell like a young amateur? Because you definitely hinted at it there. But you you said, you know, as an amateur, the losses don't hurt quite as bad. But we encounter, you know, 
a lot of amateurs who you can tell are terrified to take a tough fight because they don't want to take that first loss. And 100%, I get that, man. Like the, the respect I have for anybody who steps into that cage, I get it. Like you don't want that tough fight. You don't want to get hurt. I get yeah. that. But there's a real benefit to taking those tough fights early, right? Like you, yeah. you're, you're, I think, a perfect example of that. So what would you tell like a young amateur coming up right now? Oh, I mean, I would tell them just straight up, man. Like, I, I understand you're not getting paid for it, so there is a little bit of hesitancy to take a hard fight. But if you really want to do this, and if you really want to make a career out of this, or if you want to do anything with it, you got to take the hard fights. Because I would much rather take hard fights. Looking back at it, I'd much rather take the hard fights the way I did. Because when you get tested on the real level, or when you take another step up to the higher promotions and everything, you're not going to get easy pushover fights all the time. Like you might stumble into one or two, but taking the hard fights now is what's going to teach you what to do in that moment. And it is like losing is a huge ego thing. I know talking to people who don't do this, who don't fight and they just see it. Oh man, my own barber who I, I see him almost two times a month. Like he tells me every time, like, Oh man, if I got beat up like that, I don't think I'd ever show my face again. Like yeah, it's yeah. all ego driven and it's if it's not fun to get beat up in front of people. It's not fun to get beat up in front of your girlfriend, your mom, your family. But if you can look at it differently and keep your mind open to where this is just part of the game. Like people are going to lose no matter what. Yeah, you lost and you got beat up or choked out. There's people who failed test. That's how they lose. There's people who don't do right when they're making a mold or something at work. That's how they lose. We just lose in front of people. That's all. And that's just something that you're going to have to fix with your ego. Mm -hmm. It always interests me. I think we just had a title fight on our last fight card, an amateur title fight between Cam Allgaier and uh, Hunter Starner. And they were both six and zero. Oh. Cam was our champion. You know, they were these super hype prospects on tapology. They were like number two and three in their region. Yeah, so I remember like, seeing that. Yeah, dude, it, it was a crazy awesome matchup. And the fight was just as good, you know, went to a decision, super close fight, exactly what you expect. And like hearing both Hunter and Cam's mentality after it kind of, I think showed people the way that you got to approach it because they both understood like this is the fight that we need to prove that we're at the next level. Like they weren't afraid of each other at all throughout the whole thing. They mm -hmm. wanted that. They, they both asked for it. Like it was a perfect representation, I think, of how to approach it. And I feel like that's something that you could talk about and explain because it's those matchups that really do propel you to the next level. Like I said, every time you took a loss, man, you came back better. Like there's no doubt. Yeah. And to hear that both those guys wanted that fight, you got some good kids there to definitely keep those guys around because not a lot of people want to test themselves. They think that undefeated thing is so cool and it is for a while. But then when you start getting up in the higher level and you realize that you haven't really been tested, then it's a, it's going to be a rude awakening. And, you know, especially as amateurs, especially as amateurs, uh, you know, I know when I got into this, I was like, senior in high school, freshman in college. So yeah, winning and not losing does well with the girls, does well with your friends. I get it. But you got to look further on down the road. Like what, what do you really want out of this thing? So you've got to take the hard ones. It's so true, man. I don't know. Were you at Jake Lowry's fight in Monroeville, his last one at Brandenburg 8? 
Um, I no, I wasn't, but I, I did. I I do remember. I think I bought that one and watched it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I mean, he he got dropped early. The guy was all over. Like definitely a ten eight round. He was, you know, we didn't know how the how the heck he even survived in that. But then he came back, stormed back, did Jake Lowry thing, smothered the yeah. guy, permitted him. It's like that was another perfect representation. Like Jake as a pro losing hurts way more, like you said, not only financially, but where you stand in the rankings, how fast you're going to get to where you're going. Like there's so much at stake for a pro. And I feel yeah. like Jake, having gone through that now, he knows like, hey, if I get dropped in a fight, I'm good. Like I have these instincts. My training's good. I know how to handle this. Like now if that happens in Bellator, the UFC, he's got that experience to know how to handle it. He's got it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited for Jake Lowry. I remember wrestling with him at Teal. And him, uh, f uh, fun fact, I'll, I'll share this with you guys. My very first interaction with Jake Lowry was at a wrestling tournament in high school. Uh, I forget what wrestling tournament it was, but I saw this kid from uh, Albert Galton, and I was, I mean, it was Albert AG, maybe it was AG, yeah. And uh, dude, snaps my head down, puts me in a front headlock, rolls me straight to my back. I think it was like 20 seconds he pinned me. And I was like, oh, man, I suck at this. <laughs> and then later on down the road, I ended up at Teal and I wrestled for a semester. And there he was just beating the crap out of me until I got better. And I feel like that's when I kind of turned the corner with my wrestling it was my senior year, freshman year of college. And I attribute that to Jake all, uh, for a big time. And now that he's in fighting and he's doing well, I think that kid's going to go somewhere for sure. He's tough as nails. Oh man, he's an animal. We we obviously love watching Jake fight and and hope the best for his career too, man. He's like you said, he's one of the guys that we for sure look at that's going to take that next step at some point. We're happy to be a part of that development, man. But it's yeah. the story the story you share is hilarious because my cousin um Dustin Conti, he wrestled at Clarion for 4 years. Uh -huh. and, and when he saw that Jake Lowry was fighting for us, he he texted me. He's like, he's like, damn, cuz I wrestled Jake Lowry in seventh grade one time and he destroyed <laughs> me. He's like, he destroyed me. He's like, he beat the crap out of me. And I was like, that's that's so funny. Like everybody's an like, animal. Everybody has a Jake Lowry story of him just tearing him up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great, man. So now obviously, man, out in Denver, Factory X, you know, you're you're doing great things. We love to see it. Like where how does your mentality shift now through all this because i know even before you know you always had your sight on the ufc in the next level but now now that it's a reality you know does it feel different does it laser you in a little more than before like where where do you feel like you're at mentally right now oh yeah it um it definitely made me laser in a little bit more i mean i've all i was already dialed in but you know now that i'm finally here and I, I always thought that I was never really going to get here. I always thought I was going to be so close, but just never really. Because I never thought I had that name recognition or anything. But now that it's here, yeah, I'm I'm lasered in a lot more. And I got guys out here like Dustin Jacoby and Yusuf Zalah who are going to take me through it. Like Anthony Smith has been nothing but great to me out here. They just mentor me and give me a bunch of things that, you know, I need to hear at the time. And especially with Dustin Jacoby, dude, he's such a mental warrior. Like he, every month we have a book that we read and he'll, he'll talk about it. He'll preach about it. And there's really no one better to be around because it's all, everyone at the UFC level has the physical attributes, right? right. It's the mental side that is going to make a bunch of winners. Dude, that's sick. So you guys got fight club and book club going on there. 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we might look like a bunch of Neanderthals, but we're well read. <laughs> <laughs> I love seeing that, man. It seems like I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I'm a little deeper into it now, but like I was talking to Cody Law a while ago, and he's 100 percent on that same track. You know, he doesn't doesn't look at screens past 8 p.m. He's constantly reading and bettering himself. It seems like yeah. this mental health side of fighting is blowing up right now. Does it seem like there's more of a focus on that now than when you started? Yeah. Uh, and shout out to Cody Law because I, I love watching that kid's career grow. He's he's definitely the way he's portraying himself and making himself like he's he's a very good dude. But um, yeah, it is. It's huge because, dude, you work out every single day, you know, your body. What are you doing for your mind? Because when you get in there, even before you get in the cage, it's a whirlwind of emotion. Like you don't know what's going to happen. You could go out there and do great you could go out there and end up injured like right I, the fights before uh, this past week and the very first fight that dude snapped his arm like mm. you don't know what's gonna happen when you get out there but if you can prepare your mind to be able to deal with any adversity and just learn how to control your emotions then you're gonna do a lot better yeah man i'm sorry i actually missed the the full card you fought on did did somebody snap their arm on your card or are you talking oh about no that? i apologize I, I meant the ufc card on saturday oh geez yeah I didn't see, well that's crazy because i didn't see that either but somebody um, a kid trains at the academy actually craig perry he posted during a takedown and dislocated his arm and snapped completely. oh i saw that picture yeah, yeah. Ooh, that made my stomach turn. <laughs> it, it was gross, man. But he's been, you know, he's still an amateur. That was only his second fight. And he's been like mm -hmm. such, such a trooper. We talk about the mentality. Like he was texting us right after, like once he got out of the hospital, like apologizing to us. And I'm like, bro, you you don't apologize to us. Like there's nothing <laughs> to apologize for. Yeah. But it, it's cool to see these guys learning how to take a loss, I think. And I know that's kind of become a theme of the podcast, man. But that's it's huge. Like I want these fighters yeah. to know that like, especially as an amateur, a loss doesn't define you as a pro. A loss doesn't define you, man. You're a perfect example. You know, now in the UFC, you took two losses a little earlier on and the one loss, like you said, in a crucial moment in your career. I mean, it's everything to be able to handle that and move forward, I think. Yeah. And you know, when you lose, you're going to have people, you know, obviously not be as excited. Uh, I showed it to my girlfriend. Like when I won, Dude, my phone was blowing up mm -hmm. when I lost. I only got the real people who cared for me to message me. And that's really so I'm not saying go out and lose on purpose. No, by no means do that. But if you do happen to lose, you got to look at it as a good thing, because not only the old cliche, oh, it's a lesson. No, it actually lets you know, like, who's really about you, who's right. really going to be on your team when things go south for you. And that was an eye opener for me. Uh, when I lost my first professional fight back in Pittsburgh, like it was heartbreaking. But I had found out who was really on my side. I had a bunch of people who were with me, you know, because I was winning. I was I fought for Bellator. I was like, yeah. And then once you lose, those people start to trickle away and it kind of just clears out your circle. You're like, OK. Well, now I can rebuild without you because you've shown me, you know, I don't need you. Yeah. And cutting, cutting out that clutter, man, I think that's a huge part of it too, because like you said, there's only so much physical and mental energy you have period yeah. in your, in your career to get where you're going, man, you got to be all in. So if you're not all in with you, you need to just leave. It is dude. It's a, it's an all in type of sport. Cause you know, go, going through this, uh, just a little quick backstory. Like when I first moved out here, like I tore my knee up. I had to get surgery. 
I was broke. I had to go get a job that I absolutely hated just to mm -hmm. make, you know, I got a girl, I got dogs, I got bills, I got to pay. There's things that need to be done. You can't have pride like, oh, I won't work here. I went and worked at a smash burger for God's sakes. And then I ended up breaking my face, which I had to lose that job, go and get a different crappy job. Like it just really shows you like, do you really want to do this? Cause there is no money in it. I'll be straight up like, yeah, might've made it to the UFC, but there's no money in this shit. And you either got to do it because you love it and you have something to prove to yourself and others. Cause those external factors like money, girls, parties, like all that's going to go away. Once you realize that this sport is dangerous and you can really hurt yourself. It's life altering. You like, I'm not going to be the same old guy as most old men who don't do this. You know, there's going right. to be a little difference and you just really got to kind of come down to yourself and see like, what do you really want to do this for? You know? Yeah, man, it's so true, but it's awesome to hear you talk about it because clearly, you know, you're still super young in your career. You're kind of entering your prime now, I would say. And you, you got so much of it figured out ahead of time. It sounds like, you know, you're not going to have to learn these tough lessons now. It seems like you can 100% focus on the fighting aspect and your fighting career. So it's a blessing. I feel like that you've gone through that as, as crappy as it is, man, I'm sure you're, you're thankful for every single step of the way. Yeah. You know, it's always hindsight. Yeah. At the mm -hmm. time, man, it sucked something fierce, mm -hmm. but looking back on it, you know, I'm, Kind of glad I didn't get that LFA belt. You know, I Gregory, he got it and he got called up two days later and he's been on a tear. Like he took me aside after that fight and he explained it to me the same way that, you know, I went and explained it to Joel after I beat him. Like this game is unforgiving. And if you let it, it'll it'll mentally beat you down. But you just got to be able to take it and stride and learn from it. That's really cool of Gregory, man. I didn't know that, but that's cool that you guys had a really positive interaction afterwards. And like you said, he's been on a tear. Like you said, it's all hindsight, but does it make you feel better at least that the guy that beat you went on and is now doing great things in the UFC? Like you clearly Absolutely. lost to a good guy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, because uh, nothing against the losses that I have before Gregory, you know, the three losses there, but Gregory going out and doing his thing makes me feel a lot better because at least I didn't lose to a bum, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's one down the line. Like you said, maybe maybe we'll get it back inside the octagon. You never know. That'd be that'd be a hell of a rematch for everybody, I think. Yeah, it would because there's only two ways that that fight's ever going to end. You saw the one. He beat me. There's still opportunity. I still believe I can get him, and hopefully I'm able to work my way up and eventually get that back. Nice, man. Well, we obviously look forward to it, dude. We're crazy excited for you and everything that's going on in your career and your life. We're excited to watch you take the next step, man. And th thanks for the time today. Obviously, everybody, go follow Josh Fremd everywhere. You want to you wanna plug any of your sponsors, Instagram, any of that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, a lot. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but on my fight shorts, it's all Pittsburgh companies. Like, they have been with me from the jump. So I want to have a huge shout out to Eddie Holmes. Uh, they gave me a job when I was in high school, when I was broke, I'm not high school, uh, college when I was broke. And even when I graduated, they were with me since the beginning, like literally the beginning. So a huge shout out to Eddie Holmes, Matt, Andrew. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out to Monticello's. You guys have been awesome. Nothing but great to me. Uh, habitual vape and shop, vape, vape and skate shop, Cody Price, dude, 
thank you so much for everything you've done for me. It means the world to me. And finally, Armina Stone, thank you guys for hopping on board. It means a ton. I really appreciate all the help. Awesome, dude. Well, I, I know they appreciate you and everything you're doing as well, man. It's it's great, you know, like we said in the beginning, for the Western PA MMA fighting combat sports community. It's just cool, man, to watch this next wave of guys, and you're obviously chief among them. So we appreciate you too, man. Thanks for jumping on the show, and uh, hopefully you do get that fight, you know, March, April. Get a win and then come back to PA and come to our next show on April 16th. We'll get you a front row seat. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be, yeah. I would love to. For sure, brother. Thanks again, man. Enjoy that beautiful Denver air, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You have a good one. Sure, man. Later on.